The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like, it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm Abby Libby. I'm here with my co-host, PJ. How's it going, PJ? Good. How are you doing, Abby? I'm to be here. I'm great. Uh, a few minutes ago, Rumble was down because the Tate brothers broke broke it. We like yeah. them so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. didn't say at all that I wish they were still in prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so are, mean, yeah, okay, but. so yeah, before we even get going, like uh, we are, you know, having some issues here and there. So I, I think as far as I know, we're we're still up on YouTube right now. So we're going to be keeping the entirety of the stream up on YouTube. I Rockfin doesn't seem to be working right now. I don't know. People are saying Rumble's having issues. Uh, interesting stuff. So yeah, yeah. we both had this feeling uh, going into this stream that we were going to experience some some stuff. So we're yeah. going to try to keep this up and going. If you guys are listening to this later, um, this is the fun of joining us live. You get to do, you know, see and experience all of the uh, wonderful demonic tech attacks that we go under on a weekly basis. So uh, yes. real quick, shout out to our local subscribers. We have two new ones. Thoughts of LB. And taking Aww. notes. That's Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. And oh, okay. taking and taking notes. Whoever you are, I am also glad. To- <laughs> <laughs> She's also glad that you're here. We also have a new Rockfin subscriber, Chad Tyrell. So shout out to you guys yeah. for supporting the show and coming over and getting our bonus unhinged content. Abby's going to be presenting a really fun unhinged show for us tomorrow night uh live on rockfin that'll be yeah. up on locals as well you guys keep asking for britney spears and i keep saying oh, that is so dumb and i'm finally gonna give it to you so britney spears tomorrow night rockfin let's go let's do it let's go All right so <laughs> i I'm, I'm also playing a crowd pleaser right now everybody wants to talk oh, about yeah. ufos so UFOs. we're gonna talk about some freaking ufos everybody wants to talk about pj just wants to talk about aliens i want to talk about aliens again <laughs> All right. I was trying to say, you know, this was highly requested or anything. It wasn't. I just want to talk about aliens. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's it's so in the news right now in a way that it hasn't been. You know, what's funny is when because uh, we're going to be talking about David Grush here to start off the show and this whole idea of UFO disclosure. And we've kind of posited theories about what the grays are, what aliens are in general. And I've noticed a lot of people having this conversation that maybe calling it one thing or the other is too simplified. So we're going to go through 
all of the gray lore, try to try to break it down on like the things that shine through across the world and across all of these different stories, uh, things that we know about them, and try to see have I oversimplified the grays or have I found more evidence of what I think or is my theories changing? So we're going to kind of go through all of that. But talking about David Grush, I find it interesting because some of the people that were talking about how this couldn't possibly be part of a psyop or anything like that. We're saying, well, nobody's paying attention to this story, so it wouldn't make a good psyop. That's just not the case a, a week or so after this story. It feels like it's everywhere. And maybe that's just, is that just me because we're, we're in this space of talking about conspiracy theories, but I'm noticing it uh, from Tucker Carlson and from all kinds of mainstream sources, even the military times, we're going to pull up an article from them where they've just kind of like mainstream normalized the idea of UFO visitation. But it does, am I wrong, or do you think that this has actually become mainstream in a big way? It it has. And I can't tell if it's mainstream the way that birds aren't real is mainstream. Like, I can't tell if people are talking about it because they think it's serious, or if for the majority of the people who are talking about it, it's just kind of like, haha, aliens. Like, I can't tell if Matt Walsh actually thinks aliens are real or if he just thinks it's funny. To oh, pretend yeah, yeah, he yeah. thinks they're real. You know what I mean? But that's, sure. I mean, he's, Matt Walsh, I think, is the one who really brought it into at least the conservative side mm -hmm. of things. Because I didn't hear Tucker talking about it till Matt did. That's true. But Tucker has been talking about it off and on for, for years. He was one of the early people to kind of, okay. especially back in like 2017 when all of the uh, Nimitz and things like that were coming out. He was doing these long monologues on those. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I, um, maybe I wasn't paying atten enough attention back then, but. No, no, yeah, it's all good. I think you're right, though. I, I will say this: though, I don't think that birds are birds aren't real is as mainstream as you think, <laughs> because <laughs> because the the number one thing that we got like uh, people mad at us on the internet about this week was a was a meme about birds not being real, and uh, just like a million comments of how we're a CIA psyop trying to make conspiracy <laughs> theorists look bad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've, I, I guess I've made the joke enough times that my entire audience says it back to me now and that yeah. this echo chamber makes me think that everybody <laughs> knows about it it uh, was funny though because there were some people in the comments going like man people are taking this way too seriously and it's like it's not a hard a google joke. to look into like birds aren't real and see that it's a it's a joke it's a joke that's because it's based on some truth because there are yeah. CIA and NSA use bird style drones yeah that doesn't mean that all birds are and also anyway, that big tech is watching you all the time yeah yeah for sure um so <laughs> i want to start with <laughs> i want to start by reading the first uh few paragraphs from this are uh, from this um public Substack on aliens let me see if i can put this on screen maybe uh, there we go. So U.S. has 12 or more alien spacecraft, says military and intelligence contractors. And this kind of goes over the David Grush thing and stuff that's going on with the NR, uh, the Aero program and stuff like that. Let me see if I can zoom up on this. That is really small on screen for you guys. There we go. It'll be a little yeah. easier to read. Uh, so in this article by Sean Kirkpatrick, or no, sorry, that's the person in the picture. Who wrote this article? Uh, Michael Schellenberger says, yeah. in April, the director of the Pentagon's new program for studying UFOs said he had seen no evidence of alien spacecraft. Quote, I should also state clearly for the record, said Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO, we're just going to call it AARO because that's a mouthful. 
that in our research, Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics. And I'm going to talk about why it is that Arrow hasn't seen that credible evidence, why they might not, not actually be lying about that. Uh, the statement, which was part of a hearing on the topic, gathered or generated headlines around the world. UFO sightings are up, noted Politico, but proof of aliens, uh, but no proof of aliens yet, Pentagon official says, wrote uh, News Nation. UFO chief says no credible evidence of extraterrestrial activity. But on Monday, an Air Force whistleblower contra uh, contradicted the Pentagon's claim, telling the debrief and News Nation that the U.S. government is in possession of quite a number of alien spacecraft. Quote, I thought it was totally nuts, David Grush said. I thought at first I was being deceived. And that has been, before we even move on, that has been one of the claims of people, is this guy personally has not seen these things. He's being fed these things. He's telling what he's seen. He's saying, hey, this is not being passed on from our office to Congress. So he's not wrong at all. Like, whether you believe this, that they're setting him up, and I don't, but if you believe they're setting him up as a uh, part of a, a PSYOP, Oh, he's at least doing what he's supposed to be doing, saying, hey, our office is receiving these reports. This is what I'm hearing from uh, all these people. And this stuff, which is under the purview of our of our Congress to see, is not being shared. It so would kind of it would not be the first time they set somebody up to look stupid over a UFO thing. It would not. No, <laughs> like with the Roswell crash. I just I, I haven't been in the aliens mix. I've been I've been in like the mythology ancient tech and ancient yeah <laughs> stuff but i was just reading about the roswell crash that that the main guy brought all brought all this debris from the ufo to the military facility brought it into a room mm -hmm. then was taken out of the room for a bit brought back in and what he had brought had been replaced with pieces of a weather balloon and yes. then he was coerced into holding those pieces of the weather balloon up for cameras and basically taking the fall as an idiot for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first report that came out early that morning was here's these pieces of alien debris. And then, it yeah. was like, oh, by the way, we didn't mean that, you know, and that uh, was from the air force. So yikes. yeah, whatever you believe about Roswell, we know for certain it was a cover up. Like even the official story from Roswell is that it was a cover up because it was a certain new weather balloon technology to spy on the Russians. So, which I don't buy, but that's at least like there's no way to look at Roswell and not yeah. see it as a cover up that they set people up to take a fall, that they essentially tortured the farmer who found this debris and yeah. uh, forced him into silence and he died an early death and, and all these things. So, um, yeah, that wouldn't be the first time, but I want to keep going with this article. It says, but Grush said, as he soon learned that the United States government possessed quite a number of different kinds of non-human vehicles, I have plenty of current and former senior intelligence officers who came to me, many of whom I knew almost my whole career and who confided in me. This is not the first time government officials have suggested that the U.S. may possess alien spaceships. Quote, I was told for decades that Lockheed had some of these retrieved materials said the Senator Harry Reid, who fought for greater disclosure. And he's been fighting for UFO disclosure for a long time. You know, whatever you think of Harry Reid, that is something that he's done. Uh, and I tried to get, as I recall, a classified approval by the Pentagon to have me go look at the stuff, and they would not approve that. Former Deputy Assistant Se uh, Secretary of Defense for Intelligence Christopher Mellon recently reported that he had spoken to more than four witnesses who say they know of a secret U.S. government program involving the analysis and exploitation of materials 
recovered from off-world craft. Some have supplied information to the intelligence community's inspector general, others directly to the staff of the Congressional Oversight Committee. What's what's interesting about the Grush thing is even with the 2017 kind of ex- somewhat disclosure, like, hey, here's these old videos from 2004. We're finally going to let the public see them. Uh, New York Times kind of scooped them on it, so they had to. Uh, but even with that, they were they were never saying off-world, otherworldly, non-human. It was uh, it was when UFO became UAP instead of unidentified flying object, which just <clears throat> always had alien connotations. They wanted it to be called UAP because it sounds uh, acceptable to talk about, you know, in in academia because it's unidentified aerial phenomenon. It's not aliens. It's just military tech or whatever, you know. But they were okay. never saying off-world, and now they're saying it explicitly everywhere. I'm trying to understand. When did they change from UFO to UAP? To, to I using thought that it was 2017. It was as soon as, as soon as UFOs became mainstream in 2017, they had to call them UAPs. Because I, I think, personally, I think it's because refined individuals did not want to call them UFOs because that has been uh, CIA... Uh, psyop for decades to make mm. ufo a word synonymous with you're crazy mm. so they're like okay. oh now that we have to talk about them we can't say ufo because we've already you know sullied the word so much that the only way we can talk about it and be taken seriously is to have a new uh upper crust phrase that says the same damn thing there's no okay. difference between a ufo and a uap it's just the it's the lingo of the elites essentially i guess what i was missing there was UAP diminishes the meaning of it. It, 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 it takes it out from being an alien spaceship and it, and it makes it just an aerial phenomena. Like, Oh, it could, this could be a cloud. And I didn't understand why, if they seem to be trying to normalize this and get the public to accept it, um, starting in 2017, it seems like they've been ramping up. Like, yes. And, I, and that's why I don't it. think, that's why I don't think it was about trying to say it was a cloud or weather balloon. I think it was just a way to say UFO sounds crazy, but we need to talk about alien spacecraft in a way that doesn't sound crazy. Here's UAP. You know what I mean? It's like you have a knee jerk reaction when you hear UFO mm. and yeah, everybody does. So they had to like get rid of the stigma. That's it's like when fair. you call, it's like when you call a, a, a fat chick, big boned because that <laughs> doesn't sound like you're insulting yeah, it does. her. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does, for sure. But that's, <laughs> um, that's how people believe. UAP sounds just like UFO to me, but yeah. Uh, blankets and Waffle in over on Odyssey are already sending in memes and super chats. And thank you so much for those, you guys. We will get to them at the end of the show. Um, we always appreciate that, but uh, we don't want to interrupt too much the show for all those things. So rest assured, all your chats will be read at the end. Absolutely. And I, I did see this chat about Stephen Greer, and I just want to bring that up to say, we're going to be talking about Stephen Greer tonight. So so uh, hold hold on for that. Uh, let's see. Let's. There's only a little bit more of this article I want to read. So it says, Grush's claims are shocking, and he has not made public any photographs, video, or written evidence to support them. He says he never saw any of the alleged non-human spacecraft himself. And in response to a query, Defense Department spokesperson Sue Goff repeated what Kirkpatrick had said in April. To date, Arrow has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession of reverse engineering or extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. 
Now, here's the kicker, because that that that's going to make it sound like he doesn't have the photographic evidence, and Arrow, who's the leading researcher on this, doesn't have anything. By the way, Arrow the uh, is... Um, just, just to give you some some background here, David Grush is a senior intelligence analyst who represents the NRO, which is the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, which was the precursor to Arrow. And Arrow is took over investigations of UAPs in July of 2022. So one thing you'll notice hmm. if you pay attention to who's studying UFOs, it's somebody new every five minutes. It's a giant shell game. They've never had like this continual people working on this thing. I mean, going all the way back to blue book where they uh, gave this guy the, the, um, Hey, here, here, go look at UFOs. By the way, shut up. Don't talk about it. Now we're going to move it because project blue book was project sign. It was all these different projects that kept changing names and changing who was in charge of them. It's been a shell game literally since the forties. So the fact that our leading UA UFO research right now is done by a group that's less than a year old is not on accident. I just mm. wanted to point that out. Uh, while Grush has not shared written evidence in an unclassified way, he did provide classified intelligence reports, emails, and other documents to Thomas A. Mona, Monha, Monheim, the intelligence community inspector general, as the law allows. As for photographs, the Defense Department prohibited Grush from sharing any. So a lot of people will point out he didn't share any photos. He literally was not allowed. It actually is right here in this DOD paper. It says the interview Questions are approved for public release. However, this approval does not include any photograph, picture, or exhibit, caption, or any supplemental material. He's literally not allowed to share the photos. So just throwing that out there, the fact that he hasn't shared photos is because he's not allowed. It's because he's not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. But he's allowed to... Isn't well, he? he's, he's reporting to Congress. He actually, he, what he said to the media is not what he said to Congress. Okay. He's told the media what, he, what he's legally allowed to, and he's told Congress far more. And even in Congress, he's not allowed to share the photos. That's the point that I'm making is like, even like the whole point he's trying to make is you, you guys are supposed to know about how our government works yeah. and what's going on and what we're funding and we're not telling con Congress what it is they're funding, what what conclusions we're coming to with our research, and he's trying to to get past that in a way that people haven't before. Okay, could I'm be a, again, could be a patsy. I don't know, but sure, I'm trying to understand how he's allowed <clears throat> to give. How is he allowed to give information but not photos? How is there a line between those things legally? I have no idea. How like if he's works. protected as a whistleblower, he's protected as a whistleblower, <clears throat> right? You'd think so. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, maybe it's what's in his head versus like actually sharing classified files, but yeah, it seems it just, well, well, well what we weird. know he should have done is he should have sent them to Hillary Clinton and then yes. let them leak on the internet. And then it would be, he didn't intend to. So it's fine. <laughs> The, just you know, time tested uh, methods. Of yeah, time tested method. documents. <clears throat> All right, last part. I want to read this. And now the multiple sources close to the matter have come forward to tell public that Grush's core claims are accurate. The individuals are at all either high ranking intelligence officials, former intelligence officials, or individuals who we could verify were involved with the U.S. government UAP efforts for three or more decades each. Two of them testified, including as recently as last year, both Arrow and Congress, uh, to both Arrow and Congress. The individuals said that they had seen or been presented with credible and verifiable evidence 
that the U.S. government and U.S. military contractors possess at least 12 or more alien spacecrafts, <clears throat> some of which they shared with Arrow, which Arrow uh, has refused to provide to Congress. The reason Arrow has not yet discovered any verifiable information, they said, is because it does not have the authority to verify it and may not want to verify it. Okay. This is, this is the interesting thing, right? This, this, this research... Sorry, this branch of the government made to look into UFOs is granted <sighs> Title 10 authority, but most intelligence agencies operate under a higher Title 50 authority... And the okay. intelligence community within Title 50 feels free to stonewall Arrow because they have Title 10 and it's it's far inferior to Title 50. So basically, what I'm getting through in all of this is David Grush is being backed up by people who are remaining anonymous but have been confirmed as we're to believe. And again, take that with a grain of salt, anonymous sources, right? Yeah. He's being, he's, he's being backed up by people who have been researching UFOs for 30 years that he's not lying and Arrow themselves, even though they say they have no evidence, they don't even have the authority to find or verify the evidence. They're not even given the things they're supposed to be looking into. It's a giant shell game. So It's, so it's like, here, here's the thing that's going to tell the public and if, if UFOs exist and if we have them. By the way, they're not allowed to have any of the information that the rest of the government has. Are they... Are they even who they say they are, or is it just like a money laundering thing? I mean, <laughs> both. I think I think that it, it, I think it's money laundering for sure for like black projects, but I also think it's just uh, here's something we can present to the public to say we're being honest with you, mm. but we're not. So got it. Okay. All right. Yes. And again, <laughs> this could all be set up as we want the public to believe a certain way about aliens. And I will say this. In my research for this episode, I came across more stumbling blocks in basic pieces of information that I used to be able to find easily. And the point, I, the reason I bring that up is it does feel like the people who control the access of information on the internet want you to have a certain takeaway about aliens and about UFOs and other things are being suppressed in a way that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, in fact, I had to type out, no joke, I had to type out a full paragraph into Google with quotations and all of this to find a very common thing that's been talked about in UFO research for a long time. And if I typed in, like, here's who it comes from, here's parts of the quote, you couldn't find it. I had to type in the full quote into a Google Reader doc to, like, get it to search through books to find the quote. <laughs> Something, again, something that's normally, that's been talked about plenty of times before that should have easily been found. Um, so, okay, real quick question on that. Do you think it's being scrubbed that specifically or is this just part of like internet deletion stuff that we know is happening? No, I think it's being scrubbed deliberately. And okay. I think, I think it's, I think so because it's only with one aspect of this that we were, we'll get into later. Okay. The aspect that aliens are here and any of the Anunnaki related stuff, easy to find. The more spiritual side of this definitely being covered up. Got it. That's that's at least my belief right now with, with the way I've done this research. And again, it's not that I haven't looked into these things in the past and found all these resources. It's that now that I want to find them, they're harder to find. Um, anyway, so moving on, I just want to point out this other article really quick from uh, the Military Times. Um, we can make of this what you will. But uh, oh, wrong, 
wrong thing. Let me see. Here, here we go. Pentagon says, uh, Pentagon UFO chief says, alien mothership in our solar system possible. And I just, <laughs> I find this, <laughs> I just, I find this funny because it's like aliens don't exist. They're not anything. Don't look into it. And then all of a sudden the Pentagon's like, yeah, but maybe there's a mothership here. And it goes in this whole ex- explanation of maybe that would explain all these things. Um, it just, it feels again, like there has been a, a specific ramp up to UFO disclosure since 2017. There's parts of the government who are denying it. There's parts who are denying it until they're ready to release certain aspects. But the the whole conversation around UFOs changed in 2017. It changed and it's changing again in a big way this year. Um, and then uh, I also wanted to say that during this time, there was a few news stories that really popped up that I think relate to this. Okay. And one of those is this uh, Las Vegas thing. Have you seen this video? I th- I th- I think. Wait, ten foot creature. I'm thinking of a different Las Vegas incident. Please proceed. So on May first, police in Las Vegas responded to a report of a green flash and aliens that were eight to ten feet tall, or eight to ten feet tall creatures in a family's backyard in Vegas. And this happened before David Grush released his testimony to Congress, but it was mm-hmm. directly afterwards that this blew up across the internet. Um, so let's just watch a little bit of this news news clip from CNN about it. I don't know. I'm so nervous right now. I have butterflies, bro. Uh, Everyone thought of shooting star. Then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. Me and my brother, we just Did you see it? Huh? Did you see it? Yeah, me and him side. What'd you see? It was like a. It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long ten feet tall. I'm not gonna BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something follow in the sky too, so that's yeah. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything <laughs> land in your backyard? Or they see like a big. That's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. Can we go that Weird. Just the fact that our partner saw something at the same exact time. So I fu- this this is the part that everybody's focusing on, and it is interesting. The police redacted the fo- the the body cam footage of the backyard and when they went into the garage. Shit. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like when you invite the police in your house, that is the same as a warrant. And they've in the past, I've seen plenty of body cam footage yeah. where they had no problem releasing the interior of somebody's house. Uh, I don't know. Weird to me that like in this one specific incidence, they're really like, oh, we need to protect these citizens privacy as if our government cares about that. But. If those, those nine foot beings come back, See, don't call go. us. All right. Deal with it yourself. <laughs> that, I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> But did you see in the beginning that like green flash uh, meteor thing that was going on overhead? I I didn't see. Let's go back. It's to so it. blurry. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a little hard to see. Let's see if I can play this one more time. Which right, okay, real right there. Oh, holy crap! I just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't looking in the right place of the image. Yeah. Wow. That's why I always talk about green flash meteorites in relation to UFO because they've been linked since 1947 or 49 with Project Blue Book. So. Um, I think it's interesting. incredible there that the police officer verbally confirms we saw it too. Like my buddy saw 
Well, that that was the that police was body cam footage. Yeah, where he sees the green uh, meteorite streaking across the sky right before they get this call. That there's these eight foot tall beings in this backyard nearby. So, oh my God. Right, so weird, right one th- one thing that people bring up a lot is how the footage is always blurry mm-hmm. of all these beings, and we have seen more and more that demonic beings, particularly this sort, it seems can and do and like to mess with technology. And now I'm starting to wonder if if the blurriness is a feature, not a bug. Oh, it is a feature. It's absolutely a feature. And we'll talk about it too, because it's not just blurriness of equipment, it's blurriness of memory. Um, and we're going to see that in the Betty and Barney Hill case, which we're going to okay. get into in a minute. The only other modern news story I wanted to bring up, I was not going to try to link at all, but I'm just going to throw this out there as just a total, you know, wild card on this whole thing. <laughs> Is obviously there's the Canadian wildfires, the other big story. That's, oh yeah, that's in the last week, right? Yeah. And was not was not planning on covering this. People asked us to talk about energy directed weapons, and yeah, and yeah. There's all this talk going around of it being intentionally caused, and there's these these videos that are showing. Hey, if you watch this Doppler radar, you can see these hot spots flash up in all these places that look like energy directed <laughs> weapons hitting all over Canada at the exact same at the exact time. same time. Right. And yeah. the only reason I even want to bring this up at all is because at the, around this time, the History Channel releases a alien documentary about how they love wildfires. They just love watching wildfires. And, to, and I don't know, like, again, it's totally probably not linked, but I saw that and I was like, ah, I want to just bring this up as in like, I, I've always looked at the History Channel as a psyop for conspiracy theorists. Yeah. I think they definitely there's I'm sorry, but if you really watch it, it's like, oh, we went to Bohemian Grove and we snuck around. It's like, no, you didn't. You yeah. The History Channel. You didn't sneak around. You showed the public what the the be the people in power wanted the public to see and believe about this conspiracy theory. I have a big problem yes. with like history channel conspiracy theorists because I think it's all uh CIA oh, controlled. But it's it's they've been feeding the I mean H and L the entire show Ancient Aliens is a psyop to get people to accept oh, the it's, Anunnaki. It's, it's as- Anunnaki worship psyop, 100%. So anyway, the only reason I brought up is like, <laughs> if it comes out, they start linking energy-directed weapons from UFOs and wildfires. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Answered Seder on Rumble says, Jewish space lasers. Confirmed. It was Jewish, the Jewish space, space lasers. lasers. That's what it was. <laughs> and And All that's right. a good thing. Burning Canada, a good thing. It will be. It will. We're be. not anti-Semitic <laughs> over here. We support this use of Jewish space lasers. <laughs> Please <right>. continue. <laughs> so, if if our government does in fact have a UFO and body retrieval program, as David Grush has said, and as a, a Bob Lazar got you know ran out of a rail for saying back in 1989, I want to know what type of aliens they have. So, I want to talk about the three main types of aliens, and then I want to get into specifically the Grays. This episode is titled for for reasons. So basically there's lots of different alien types, but the three main alien types that you'll look for anywhere are the grays, the Nordics and the reptilians. And then even on a lot of these sites, they'll note a fourth alien type as cryptids, which I find very interesting because many claims around that is that they are extraterrestrial or mixed origins. And you see this most clearly with Bigfoot, Bigfoot is often cited around UFOs. There's a ball lightning phenomena around Bigfoot very often. And Mothman, obviously, is 
like specifically showing up around UFO sites. That was John Keel's whole thing with Mothman is he went to Point Pleasant because of the UFOs, found Mothman, right? So um, there is a lot of cryptid weirdness around UFO sightings and around alien abduction sites and things like that. So that would be the kind of fourth type. Um, But to get into this, I want to talk about, just give a quick overview on the Nordics and the reptilians. So the Nordics are these seven feet tall. Sorry, let me pull up a picture of them. The Nordics are these six to seven feet tall humanoid extraterrestrials with long blonde hair and blue eyes. They're known to be physically beautiful. They're thought of as benevolent. And in pretty much all stories, they're capable of telepathy. And they are reported to come from the Pleiades. And they are very concerned with Earth's environment. And I kind of just look at these as like hippie Aryan gods. So they're, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, it's just like, is this, is the link here supposed to be that this is what what Thor was? Like the whole Norse mythology and these Uh Nordics, these aliens are the same thing. And it's kind of... It's kind of what the Marvel universe kind of puts forward anyway, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I also find it funny that Thor in the comics does become this hippie. Hippie, yeah. Yeah. So um, they're also obsessed with nuclear war. And there's this whole idea around the Aryans. And they are the least, or not Aryans. They are Aryans. The Nordics. There's this whole idea around the Nordics that they are, they're kind of the least offensive. Well, unless you're some people think they're offensive because they put, build this whole race connotation to it. But I mean, they're the least aggressive. They seem to be wanting to help humanity. They, there's this idea that nuclear war would never happen among people who believe in the Nordics. That nuclear war would never happen because the aliens would come in and stop it. So they're already there's already this kind of savior start of worship belief around these Aryan Nordics. Okay. Uh, the next would be the reptilians. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just a picture of Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> the next is the reptilians uh, who are pop- popularized by David Icke. They're these shape-shifting aliens that control Earth. And they're also sometimes called archons, which is interesting if you understand uh, Gnosticism. They're the builders of the universe in, in the Gnostic myth. Um, uh, it looks like a gargoyle. There's not okay. I'm sorry for the not super great picture, but I couldn't find a lot of great pictures of, of reptilians except for like photoshops of just taking actual lizard heads and putting them on people. Yeah, but but this one this one was a- around, but they are these like like I said, shape shifting reptilian humanoids. So um, okay, so the idea is is the idea that they put on human skin or like I know nothing about them. Yeah, well, they, they deserve their own episode. That's why I'm only okay. going over them briefly sure. here. But yeah, this idea that they wear a meat suit. So there's different theories on them, whether they actually put on costumes or if they're just able to shapeshift, which is the main theory, I believe, is that they're shapeshifting. They can disguise themselves as humans. And you'll see these popular TikToks of like a, a bodyguard for the president and it looks like his eyes close sideways or, oh. or something weird like that or tr- turn yellow for a moment and stuff. So everybody who is on rumble, I want you to do me a favor right now, throw a lizard person emoji in the chat. Cause we have those and I want you to see them cause they're so funny and also like the stream. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm not asking, so I better see not. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this theory of, of the, uh, reptilians, the lizard people, 
uh, kind of pushes this these theist, theosophical and Gnostic ideas. This is a, a through line of all alien stuff. Is uh-huh. this these Gnostic ideas coming from the Nords, coming from the reptilians? Um, and we'll get into that with the with the Greys later. But let's talk about let's talk about what we came here for, which is the Greys. So they are most they are the most widely associated with abduction reports. And I want to point out that they're not quite the same as Little Green Men because Little Green Men is a media creation. It started in comic books and movies, uh, and it predates Roswell. But during Roswell, there was at least one report of these, which everybody else called these little gray aliens, as being a kind of greenish tint. And there's also another famous UFO case where these guys uh, were shooting at these silverish green uh, aliens that I would think match pretty close to the description of grays, but they got put in the newspaper as little green men. So the whole little green men idea does not actually come from the abductees. It doesn't come from UFO researchers. It really comes as a media term to kind of mock them Mm. because it goes back into earlier things with comics and movies and things like that kind of predating the, the, the earliest UFO reports and cases of, of the gray aliens. So, okay. Um, their physical features there have gray, they're, they're these gray skinned humanoids, which with enlarged hairless heads, large huh. black eyes and lack of external human body parts. So they don't really have a nose. They don't have ears they don't have genitalia and they're around three feet tall usually, but here's the important thing. And I, the reason I picked this picture of the little gray aliens is, do you see what's in the background? Big gray aliens. Yeah, yeah, because there are also tall grays. The tall grays are eight feet tall, kind of like the the, the Vegas eight feet tall. Coincidental. (laughs) And they're known as the ambassadors between meetings of aliens and humans. They're also known as the supervisors in abductions and genetic experiments. And the short grays are the ones who do all the work. So these are the, the managers, so to speak. They're they're running the show, but they're not the ones who generally are in contact with the humans or abducting them or doing the experiments. They're kind of, like I said, these overseers. Okay. It's watchers, and if you will. <laughs> each of these types of aliens has tons of sightings. Is it is there a type that has more sightings than others? Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit, but the the grays are probably the most common. And it it, it depends on where in the world as well. But yeah, the grays, the grays are the most common because they're the ones who are generally seen abducting people and, and yeah. stuff like that. So reptoids, uh, Nordics, they're not usually the ones who are initiating contact. The Nords is a whole other thing, which we'll get into later. But um, and the other thing to know about the grays is that they are associated with Zeta Reticuli, okay. which came from Barney and Betty Hill. Are you familiar with the the Barney and Betty Hill abduction? I don't think that I am. It the names sound familiar, but other than that, don't think so. All right. Well, we'll get into them because um this is kind of like the the big Oh, by the way, here's a picture of like tall grays. Oh. Um they're kind gross. of the yeah, they're kind of gross, right? <laughs> <laughs> they they're the ones who look most like a video game alien. In a lot of ways. Is this anyway. where is this where like Slenderman came from? Possibly. Okay. I didn't I didn't dive into the Slenderman lore, but I did find older accounts that predate the grays of these tall slender aliens. Mm. Okay. Um, 
that were kind of white and hairy. I don't know. It's weird. I, I didn't have time to dive into okay. that too much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So with, with uh, Barney and Betty Hill, this is the first widely reported UFO abduction in the U.S. It's not... People will argue and say it's not the first, blah, blah, blah. This was okay. the linchpin of of the the gray alien lore and that's why it's so important okay. it's believed that the prevalence of gray aliens in popular culture can be attributed back specifically to this event so this started in on september 19th of 1961 at 10 30 p.m <clears throat> uh the hills were driving back to ports i always mess this one up ports is it portsmouth <laughs> portsmouth Port, portsmouth new From hampshire a, yeah yeah Yeah, Portsmouth, Portsmouth. New Hampshire. Yeah. They were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in the Niagara Falls and Montreal. And just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter upward to the west of the moon. While Barney navigated U.S. Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was observing a falling store, only it moved upwards. And because it moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look as well as to walk their dog, Delzy. Barney stopped at a scenic picnic area just south of the Twin Mountains. And then Betty, looking through binoculars, observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights and traveled across the face of the moon. Hmm. And Betty thought this might be a UFO. And some people will say that's because her sister had a UFO sighting. And that, for some people, is enough to say she made this entire thing up. Because oh. it ran in the family, which I think is not fair to say. Like, <laughs> if you and me both see Dave at the supermarket, it's not like, well, it's less believable that you saw him too, right? Like, two people can see one thing without it. Right. <clears throat> and when we get into some of the other stuff, the Tulpa stuff a little bit later, I think that mm-hmm. there's people don't see what they don't want to see or don't believe they can see. So the fact that her sister had had one just made her more likely to believe what she was seeing was real, I think. That very much could be. My only point in saying it was that I don't think that that's cut case closed. She didn't see it because her right. sister also saw it. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the only argument. point I wanted to make. But yeah, there actually might be good reasons why she was more likely to see it if her sister had. Yeah. Which which we will talk about for sure. <clears throat> um, but she believed that she was seeing a UFO. And her husband uh, believed that he was just seeing a commercial airliner. But then he changed his mind when without looking at it or without looking as if it had turned, the craft rapidly descended in their direction. It just like with a plane, you would see a, a, yeah. a change in silhouette, right? Yeah. Um, but instead, just this thing moving again, all different directions, mm-hmm. simultaneous, you know, uh, cut to they're driving down the road again and they notice two hours of missing time. Right. They wake up driving down the road. Like they come to driving down the road, realize, oh, we're missing two, two and a half hours. Like, where did that go? Yikes. <clears throat> yeah. So the next day, the Hills start, uh, <clears throat> the Hills stated that they had some odd sensations and impulses that they could not readily explain. Uh. Also, their watches had completely stopped. They would never work again. Betty's dress was torn and had a pinkish powder on it, which has been, uh, it's it's in a, a UFO museum, actually, her torn dress at this, in okay. New Hampshire. Um, <clears throat> and their, the trunk of their car had these shiny concentric circles on it. And when they told a friend about it, he's like, well, why don't you put a compass up to it? See if they're magnetic. They took a compass to the trunk of their car, thing went wild. 
So wow. shiny concentric All circles right. messing with with uh, magnetic fields. The watch is not working. Torn dress, scuff shoes. Missing time. So they go to NICAP on October 21st, 1961. And I'm blanking on what NICAP stands for, but they're an old UFO research group, like pre-MUFON. And they told told them all that they could, but Barney stated that he had this mental block that he couldn't get past. Like, again, missing time. They had images and some memories, but they just felt blocked up on, like, actually remembering all Mm -hmm. the details. Um, There were portions of the event that he... And he said that he thinks that it might be because there's portions of the event that he doesn't wish to remember. Uh, and when he does remember, I can see why. So what he did remember is that they, the, the beings were not quite human figures. And Walter Webb, who was the interviewer, uh, believed that they were telling the truth, save for like these minor inconsistencies, which he attributed to trauma, mental block, mm. confusion. He's like, they're, they're telling the same story. I believe that they're telling a real story. They're not coming across as like made up. They, they probably seem really shaken up by the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so then in November, Betty starts having dreams and in these dreams, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and these men surrounded their car. She then lost consciousness, but struggled to regain it. Then she realized she was being forced by two small men to walk into a forest at night. And she remembers seeing Barney walking behind her, though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. These men stood about five to five feet, four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by the military cadets. And they appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, and prominent noses and bluish lips. Their skin was grayish color. And that's the dream she starts having in November. So she decides she's going to go under hypnosis to try to see if she can bring back these memories. And they both do. And there's some weird stuff that happens while they're under hypnosis. So starting with Barney, he reported that the binocular strap that uh, had broken when he ran, because that was the other thing I forgot to mention. The binocular strap was another piece of like, oh, it's broken. I don't know how this happened. Okay. Uh, it was broke when he ran from the UFO back to the car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive back into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing on the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. Uh, they told Barney not to fear, not to fear them. And he was still anxious. However, he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. Huh. And Barney said he felt like this pressure, like like his eyes were like pushing in on themselves. Like he literally could not open them. Um, maybe like this deep hypnosis or something. I don't okay. know. Uh, the beings, uh, the other thing he, he said uh, is the beings often stared into his eyes and with a uh, terrifying mesmerizing effect. And while he was under hypnosis, he would start screaming things like, Oh, those eyes, they're in my brain. Like, the, like the, some of the creepier parts of his hypnosis was the, like when he hit certain memories, he was truly terrified. Okay. Like really like, like a, a grown man, like screaming these things out, like in terror. Okay. <clears throat> and he said that when they were talking to each other, they spoke in a language he did not understand. And he claimed that they also did experiments on his genitals. There's always the. Yeah, yeah it always is, isn't it? It's genetic stuff, right? And we're going to get into it because this is a, this is a through line of especially of gray abductions is this sexual genetic experimentation. 
And some people yeah. try to like just write this off as like psychosomatics, Freudian bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the one thing I didn't mention about Barney and Betty, I will mention now because it's not in at all important in my opinion of this story, but the Freudian leftist secularists like to make a huge deal about this. It's 1961, they're an interracial couple. Everybody thinks that this either means that they made it up to push forward some NAACP point, talking point, mm-hmm. or that this whole thing was trauma of being in an interracial relationship in the 1960s. And it couldn't have possibly been it. So like, that's again, like why I think it's so stupid that everybody points this out is that was not even, if that's the case, they didn't capitalize on it. You know what I mean? They didn't make yeah. this huge racial point about it and then go march and do all these things. Yeah. Betty went on for the rest of her life to be inside the UFO community trying to find the truth. Okay. Um, Barney died in 1969. That's why he, that, so I didn't, don't mean that he fell off. He just died okay. not, that, not that long later. Oh, but wow. Betty went on to do this stuff until 2004. How did he die? Uh, you know what? I didn't look it up. I, okay. I thought it was cancer, but oh. I'm not 100%. Um, <laughs> Face, babe, and rumble. Respectfully, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's exactly my mood right now. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so Betty had similar accounts in her hypnosis to her dreams. The only thing that really changed was in her dreams, she saw them as more human, taller, big okay. nose. Like she saw them as something not human, but closer to the military personnel in the area. Okay. In her dreams, this is where she starts seeing them as grays. And... <clears throat> A lot of people will point out, they'll say, well, this is proof that they didn't see the same thing. That Betty saw it one way in her dreams and under hypnosis, she saw it the same way as her husband. Which I don't think that that's super good proof either. Because, uh, let me see. Because her husband's drawings of what he saw looked like this. Oh. And, And there's... One of the things that supposedly he did as soon as he got back was try to draw these beings. So again, maybe his drawings influenced her memory. I don't know. My point is she saw them as as what we think of as the gray aliens today under hypnosis. And he saw them the same way and drew them. So again, take of it, you know, make of what you will. If there's it doesn't it doesn't scream like hoax to me. And a lot of UFO researchers don't think so either. Right. Well, because if it was a hoax, they would have had their story straight. They would have agreed on what they looked like. See, that's my point, right? Like no good hoaxer goes in with like wildly different interpretations of the physical characteristics of these beings. Bookstore Thoron Rumble says Betty had cancer. Barney had a cerebral hemorrhage. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that bookstore Thor. Yeah. And, and that's interesting too, because this is also both of those conditions are very common in UFO abductees. developing cancer and having hemorrhages is like the way a lot of them a lot of them go wow yeah yeah. yeah. so interesting that it's both in this case Mm. so anyway that's that's kind of the first case that gets gets the ball rolling um and i don't have time to go through every case because there's I was trying to find statistics on this and I'm not sure how many people have seen or been abducted. Some people say it's up to 3 million people in America have seen UFOs or had contact or whatever. So the numbers wild, uh, very wildly, but we know mm-hmm. at least thousands, if not tens of thousands of people every single year in America experience either UFOs 
abductions, sightings of aliens. It's not uncommon. And the one thing that you'll find is that people try to write this off as it's just crazy people. And studies again and again and again show like we cannot find a mental, like, uh, sorry, there, there are similarities in a lot of the victims, but what they can't find is like IQ levels or believe, you know, certain, um, tendencies and things like that. Right. What I'm saying is it's not, it's not just crackpots. There's, there's, right. the, it runs the gambit. Anyone, anyone. It, yeah. There, there's not a specific type of person. You can't typecast the type of person who is having these encounters. Right. And, and what's funny is the, the closest they've come to typecasting is college educated women. They're about 62%. That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, Um, so I want to talk again, we can't get into all the different alien encounters. So I just want to talk about types and and what they share. So, um, but first of all, and again, this, we, we talk about our episodes sometimes is like, here's an episode where we've kind of laid the groundwork and the people who are watching the show through. And it's really probably the best way to watch our show because we're going to be referencing stuff we've covered in the past. We like to do these episodes once in a while where we put down the groundwork of like, Here's the the metaphors. Here's the terminology we're going to be talking about. Here's the things that are going to come up in later episodes. So this is what we would consider a more foundational episode. We're laying the groundwork for stuff we're right. going to talk about more deeply in the future, which is why I'm going into a lot of the common things that most people know about this stuff. Mm. Um, and one of that's important because I don't think most people actually fully understand uh, what close encounters are. And I want to talk about the types of close encounters. So close encounter is an event which a person... Witnesses, an unidentified flying object, and the terminology system was developed by Alan Hynek in his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. So he posits that there are three types of close encounters. There's close encounters, the first kind, CE1, which is a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object seemingly less than 500 feet away. And it also shows... Uh, appreciable angular extensions and considerable detail. So not just a light in the sky, but a a close encounter of the first kind is like, that's definitely a UFO. Okay. Close encounter of the second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic devices, animals reacting, psychological effects such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness or some physical trace like impressions on the ground scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or a chemical trace. Mm. <clears throat> so sight within 500 meters, physical effect, and then we've got close encounters of the third kind. Also, he said animals reacting. This is mm. the one thing that is true amongst all UFO sightings. People have different reactions to them. Alan Hynek pointed out that most people, it nearly destroys their life, causes them to spiral into depression, ruins their marriages. It's not a good thing. But there are certain people who seem very open to an inviting of this and have what they would say are positive experiences. The one thing that never has positive experiences with aliens is animals, animals. pets, dogs, cats, horses. Never. There's no, there's no like, oh yeah, this is fine. Huh. Um, anyway, uh, we have close encounter of the third kind, which is UFO encounters in which an <clears throat> animated en- entity is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a UFO. And that, I don't think it goes far enough, and neither do other people. So there's this guy named, uh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Blotcher, Bloker, 
he gives these sub uh, subtypes, and he's a UFO researcher. Um, he gives A through F uh, okay. subtypes of subtypes of a CE three or a close encounter of the third kind. Okay. And A we have is a board an entity is observed only inside the UFO. Okay. Uh, B is both an entity, entity is observed inside and outside the UFO. C is close, observed near a UFO but not going in or out. <clears throat> D is direct. Entity is observed. No UFOs are seen by the observer, but the UFO activity has been reported in the area about the same time. E is excluded. An entity is observed, but no UFOs are seen. And no UFO activity has been reported in the area at that time. And then F is frequency. No entity or UFOs are observed, but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communication. Huh. Which is a... Yeah. As somebody who has not even considered believing in aliens until like the last couple of months um, as anything but like straight demons. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's striking how scientific this is. It's striking that the group of this group <clears throat> of people, they're not, they're not like flat earthers in that. Like they're very, Oh, we're going to have these very specific, very scientific categories. And oops, those categories aren't even specific enough. We need even more specific categories to really like get <coughs> get some answers out of like aggregating the data, which Th- implies is, that there's a ton of data. I- I'm glad you said that because this is the thing that um, people who don't get into the UFO research stuff completely misunderstand. They think it's all mm. kooks. It's not scientific. When you really read people like Jacques Vallée or um, Heineck or, I mean, even John Keel, I think is an interesting one, even though he's a little bit more on the fringes. Mm. Uh, these people really do take a scientific and, uh, re- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, investigative reporter, like, you know, take on these. And a lot of these UFO researchers started as skeptics, and a lot of them are um, not trying to pose any or posit any conclusions on them they're just literally going through talking to people researching the evidence researching the phenomena categorizing it so it is much more scientific than people give it credit for i think yeah it shows a lot of care it shows yeah i have to process that more go ahead continue jess says john keel is so extra i know but i love he's so extra he's so extra but it's so good he's (laughs) He freely admits that, like, once they get to you, you're compromised. Yeah, yeah. And then he admits that they got to him. So, like, he's <laughs> he, <laughs> even he admits he's compromised. And you can kind of tell he's he's definitely sent a little crazy by it. But it, it's almost like the the unhingedness is in itself evidence of his experiences. Mm-hmm. I agree, actually. I think if you, especially if you read the um, Mothman prophecies, mm. I think up to a certain point, it's very based in reality. Yeah. And it's strange reality. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Then at a certain point, as the story gets out, weirdos start coming to him and he's experienced so much weirdness yeah. that he's he even goes. saying like, I don't know. Like at this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. So the, mm. the latter half of the book is kind of nuts, but mm-hmm. You kind of get it when you realize he had a close encounter with Mothman in in a field. And mm-hmm. it's like one of the creepiest parts of the book, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, so we also have an extension of Hynix scale, uh, which was later proposed. And this includes CE4 or Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Um, there's a movie based on this, but I, it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Close Encounter of the Fourth Kind is a UFO event in which a human is abducted by a UFO or its occupants, which I don't understand why this wasn't included in the first place, considering I'm pretty sure Hynek was... Mm. I don't know. Anyway, maybe it was... I'm trying to remember if Heineck was already... He was investing in this before Betty and Barney Hill, so maybe that's why he added it on later. Mm. Um, a close encounter of the fourth kind is when a UFO event, a human is abducted by a UFO or its occupants. This type was not included in his original close encounter scale. Heineck's former associate, Jacques Vallée, argued in the Journal for Scientific Exploration that the fourth kind should refer to cases where witnesses experienced a transformation of their sense of reality to also include non-abducting cases where absurd, hallucinatory, or dreamlike events are associated with UFO encounters, which I would agree with Jacques Vallée on that. There has to be some classification for that because it is a huge part of all of this stuff. Yeah. Huge part. Um, and then we've got this newest one, which we're going to talk about at the end of the show called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind or CE5. This was uh, This is where... Uh, human initiated contact with extraterrestrial life forms or advanced interstellar civilizations claiming direct communication between aliens and humans. It can also refer to human initiated close encounters. And this was first co coined by Stephen M. Greer, who, like I said, we're going to get into. So okay. uh, just some common elements in the descriptions of abductions and visitations vary, again, by region and local culture as do the type of aliens, but mm. I want to focus on the elements that kind of cross those borders and the ones that seem to be in, in all these cases, doesn't matter where you're at in the world dealing with grays. You've got this otherworldly sensation is, is always reported. And many of these encounters are described as being traumatic or disorienting. And some who are more open to it have different experiences, which reminds me of our episode on psychedelics. Yeah. Right. We had like, somebody I'm in the open to. Yeah. 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 We had somebody in the chat a few minutes ago say, well, I saw a UFO, but I was on shrooms, so I don't take it too seriously. But that's a lot I, of the stories. I feel like I do take it seriously because <laughs> that is a lot of it, right? There's a lot of people who are mixing these two things together. They're mixing seance and UFOs. They're mixing psychedelics and UFOs. And the links are so strong. We're going to get into them in a minute. But yeah. like, just the idea that you would have a different, like a, a horrifying experience if you don't want it. Mm. And then people who are inviting it in are like, well, I was shown this planet. I was, we'll get into those stories later, but mm -hmm. it does remind me of psychedelics. And in, I've just noticed this for years, but especially in my research for this one, it's like, yeah, people just casually throw the psychedelics thing out there at some point when they're talking about their UFO encounters pretty often. It, it makes you wonder if this is why consent is the one tenet of the, the religion of the left. Because the people who are consenting to these encounters are the ones that are enjoying it, putting it forward, pressing it on. Well, that's again, why, that's why I want to talk about Stephen Greer, but we'll get to it. Yeah, so it. the other thing uh, that, that happens often in these is mind control. That's a feature in a lot of mm. these and repressed hmm. memories uh, that are later rediscovered, which is also a feature of MK Ultra, which I yeah. don't think is a coincidence. Yeah. I think if these things are experimenting on people. Who's to say it's much different than the types of experiments that our government is doing on MKUltra patients? I think that's why. And a lot of people want to discount MKUltra and 
abductees based on the repressed memory stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alan, Alan Hynek and some others had some, some ideas on that that we'll get into in a minute. I, I don't think, I don't think that it just, I don't think you just throw it out the window based on that, because as we know with MK ultra, that is a feature, not a bug of the, the repressed memories. So are there crazy people out there who will claim to have repressed memories of MK ultra? Sure. Of course. But also if someone claims to have repressed memories of MK ultra, it doesn't mean that they are making it up either because that is part of the brainwashing. That's part of what they did to people. They tried to like wash out who they were and what they remembered and fill it in with something else. Um, Anyway, another part of this would be like sexual experiences and experimentation. Uh, very often taking of tissue samples or insertions of objects. <laughs> I want to know where anal probing came from. It's it's in here somewhere. I didn't see <laughs> the, the, the starting case for it, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, there's, there's really weird people out there. <laughs> So I don't I don't want to say this with too much confidence, but like generally speaking, you wouldn't say you wouldn't make up a story about somebody probing you. You know, no, like no, if you I were going to have either. a hoax, it wouldn't be that and it wouldn't be that every single time from everybody. It would be like aliens met with me and they said I was the smartest most amazing pe- person on earth and you guys are all losers. Like that's what it would sound like, right? Yeah, instead of like, yeah, I saw aliens. They stuck something up my butt. So. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, it's the same with Barney Hill, right? Like, this guy seemed really ashamed that they had put this cup over his genitals and done some type of experiments <laughs> on it. No, I'm serious. Like, he, like it was he. Did, yeah, it was not something he wanted to talk about. It seemed. It just yeah, was like, that's not this especially a man, happened. right? Especially yeah. a man. That's not a story that you just like make up. No. no, 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 I don't think so. That's not even going to enter somebody's imagination for like, this is going to make me sound cool and get me good <laughs> attention. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. So what here's, here's what's interesting. What do all of these different things have in common? Mind control, repressed memories, sexual experiences, experimentation, all these things is that these are all very similar. These are all very common in old stories and encounters with fairies, demons, and other magical creatures. Yeah. So much so, so much so that our own government recognized this decades ago. And there's this, uh, there's this report called UFOs and related subjects an annotated bibliography by Lynn G. Coteau. And this was prepared by the library of Congress for the United States air force of scientific research. And in the opening, it says, quote, Many of the UFO reports now being published in the popular press recount alleged incidents that are strikingly similar to demonic possession and psychic phenomena, which have long been known to theologians and parapsychologists. That was, by the way, the quote that took me forever to find. I can you okay whole thing in? Can you read that and, one and more time? It. Read it one more time really slowly so I can take it in. Yeah. Many of the UFO reports now being published in the popular press recount alleged incidents that are strikingly similar to demonic possession and psychedelic phenomena, which have long been known to theologians and parapsychologists. Okay. This is something that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, where it seems like you have a group of people who are really intent on researching something, but it stays in its little box and they don't talk to other people who are researching something else. So the UFO people don't talk to the theologians. 
Right. And it used to be, I think, that the UFO people didn't talk to the Bigfoot people. But now I think that with those, John Kiel's people are talking for sure. But yeah, yeah, especially with John Kiel's work. Now they're really, really talking. I, there I, yeah. has there has been some very recent interesting crossover between theologians and UFO researchers, but I'm not sure it's good. Uh, but we'll talk about it at the end. Uh, OK, because I'm, I'm getting to, to something with all of this. Also, we talked about Jacques Vallée earlier. He's a well-known secular UFO researcher from France. And he says the very suggestion of such a link is disturbing to the scientists, as you were saying. However, the phenomena reported by UFO witnesses involves poltergeist effects, levitation, psychic control, healing, and out-of-body experiences. Again, like, it, this is the thing that keeps coming back to me. I know there's this big debate going on right now of it's oversimplified to say that this is demonic or demon-related or spiritual in nature, that it, it, they have to be real beings from somewhere else. I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's really hard for me to see repeated claims from, from credible witnesses talking about poltergeist effects, levitation, psychic control, healing, mind control, and not and not think, but we'll get into my theory in a bit. So he also said, uh, quote, in recent years, the reports of paranormal events in connection with the close encounters with UFOs seems to have become the rule rather than the exception. So he's also noticing this decades ago. It's a continued thing. Paranormal events in connection to UFOs is the is the rule, not the exception. Um. There's also, he also did this book called UFO Chronicles of the Soviet Union. And he realized that most of the UFO sightings came from what they would call cosmonauts. And these are people who were trained in, uh, trained by parapsychologists in Eastern meditation. And most of those he interviewed were deep into occultism. And he's, again, secular guy, doesn't believe in God and demons, whatever. And he's saying, I can't look at this UFO stuff and not see that the occult references he even compares uh he even compares this to the summoning of uh, of aliens to like these witchcraft pagan rituals and he he makes all these connections again not Uh, a guy who not a christian not a guy who's trying to say well it can't be from outside space it has to be demons because i'm you know yeah this is my understanding and anything else would break my understanding of the world this is a guy who's spent his whole life interviewing people writing books like compiling reports of like what is everybody seeing and experiencing and he can't get around the fact that it seems deceptive in nature he actually had a whole book about how it seems mm. deceptive in nature that the ufos the aliens seem like they're lying about who they are and that the paranormal phenomena around it is the is the rule yes not the exception deceptive in nature is a feature of all fairy lore the yes. idea that never believe a thing they tell you never make a deal with them Every John word of that Keel believes in yeah. the same creatures, and and I agree with him. Yeah, I agree that the fairies and the aliens and all these things are different creatures. We'll get into it, but like first, I want to say like the argument here is going to be, but they have technology, and I think this is important to get into because mm, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to miss this part. So let's talk about gray technology really quick. First one, my favorite one is the magic pencils. <laughs> have you ever heard of these? No. Okay, uh, that's probably not the best way to call it. So. <laughs> According according to Nick oh Pope's according to Nick Pope's book, The Uninvited, the Great Aliens uses a device that is black, cylindrical, and is the size of a U.S. number two pencil, has a bluish light on one end, and is used as a weapon uh, on combative abductees to make them more compliant by numbing their will. 
And he's like, not the only one. He's not. Oh, go ahead. Like Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver. I've never seen Doctor Who, so sure. I am actually distressed in the past <laughs> week to realize how much of Doctor Who is probably predictive programming for alien gods, but please continue. <laughs> so, sorry, I noticed the chat wasn't loading, so I'm just going to refresh that page real okay. quick. Um, <laughs> he's not the only one that knows this. Linda Moulton Howe reported on a pencil-sized cylindrical device with a light on one end that has been independently reported in at least two alleged abductions. In one of the alleged, uh, one of the alleged abductees claimed that the device was used. Uh, the chest opened bloodlessly in slow motion and compared it to watching a flower blossom in a time-lapse photography. Uh, and then this claimant further described the device as opening the body with sound. Ah. Now, now those those seem ah. those would seem to be the only times you hear about the magic number two pencil, but it's actually not true because there's it's very common for abductees to have been paralyzed or incapacitated by some type of beam of light. So maybe they're not seeing the tiny little pencil-shaped device that's doing it, but it's very common for them to use some type of flashy thing. If you think like Men in Black, yeah, neuralizer, some type of little neuralizer, flashy thing. I've to seen, I've people. seen one of the Men in Blacks. <laughs> Have you seen a movie? Breaking news. We can end the podcast now. <laughs> Big news. Do I have that? So that idea of the sonic. Big news. Sorry. The sonic technology is present in the sonic screwdriver for, for Doctor Who. Um, a sonic device that can open things. And also in another movie, I have watched A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Where the aliens are, are influenced by sound. Yep. And yep. the sonic. I've also people yeah. also keep sending me stuff about um, sound waves opening up portals, and some yeah. of it's pretty convincing stuff. Well, some of the ancient. I think it's gone out of vogue. But when I was growing up and, and researching ancient tech, mm-hmm. the sonic theory of some of that ancient tech was was more present than it is now. Now it's all like it's Tesla tech. It's Tesla tech, but it used to be sonic was the theory. Base babe says, would you recommend a quiet place? I would. I thought it was fantastic. It was my first date with John. Nice. So yeah. Well, okay. It was the first of the worlds with my wife on our first date. It was the first one we admitted was a date. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) All right, so obviously you got that tech, but I think the obvious tech is just the UFOs themselves. Like, why would these beings, if they're spiritual demonic things, have UFOs? Like, uh, that's kind of the argument. But I would say the Bible doesn't, like, if we're talking about this from a Christian standpoint, as as you and me are, the Bible doesn't over-etherealize the heavenly hosts in the way that we do today. And I think that we've talked about this concept, but I want to delve on it a little bit and then get into some examples of this. Mm. But we've talked about this idea that the spirituality has been pulled away from, from Christianity for a long time where it's like, let's read the Bible and we'll accept that Jesus died and was rose again. And he's half God, half man, but giants is a little too weird, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's, let's not talk Except about for the Goliath. angels, the giants and the miracles. Yeah. Goliath is fine. Cause he was just tall, right? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get out, rid of all the spiritual weirdness in the Bible. But on the other hand, we've also over etherealized the angels. Yes. Over etherealized these things where people have this, Die hard belief that mm. angels are purely spiritual and never physical in any way. This is negated in the Bible so many times. Uh, I mean, let's just talk about it for a second. Like breaking open doors, kicking Peter, 
you know, eating food. These are things angels do, not to mention Genesis 6 where they come down and and have sex with women. Like this these are in the Bible. And on top so again, coming from a Christian standpoint, over-theorizing the heavenly hosts is I think a, a wrong take of it. It's that they don't have tech. It talks about mm. them having swords, doing battle and warfare and things like that. But probably the most interesting evidence for technology in the Bible comes from Ezekiel. Are you familiar with Ezekiel's UFO? I wish I was more familiar. I feel like my most of my familiarity is you okay. pointing out to me <laughs> that, but, but like I've read Ezekiel and I've definitely read through those parts and been like, this is super weird. And you know how you just kind of clock out of something that's too weird. Like when I read the Bible and I get, I, I reach in the past when I read the Bible and reached a passage that just didn't make sense to me. Um, I, I just skim through it. Like what else do you do? I think that's one of those ones where I was like, I have no idea what to do with this. For sure. For sure. So Ezekiel describes a vision of God that appeared to him by the shores of the Chabar river. I don't know. Uh, in the sixth century BC. And in it, he talked about these strange creatures with four wings and four faces that appeared in the air amid clouds and fire and accompanying these creatures were machines with unknown purpose and wheels within wheels. So I'm just going to read a little bit of Ezekiel. Uh, what chapter is this? Ezekiel one chapter. Is that? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't say the chapter. Uh, it doesn't matter. Ah. Anyway, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one 15 through 21. Uh, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and the structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made with a made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any of one of four directions. The creatures face the wheels did not change directions. As the creatures went, the rims were high and awesome and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved, and when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still, and when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels." There's so many different ways to interpret this. And I've seen pictures again, before I saw pictures in my mind, I'm thinking, could a wheel within a wheel with eyes around it be a, a, a UFO? Like that was just my thought before I looked at this and there's actually some better evidence I'll show in a minute, but could it be like a, the way that we think of a flying saucer, like this round wheel looking thing with another wheel around it and portholes was my first thought. Apparently I'm thinking of it totally wrong, but it does seem to be talking about, says it's made of metal, says it's a technology. It says it's not a spirit, but the spirit of the creatures is residing in and moving it, uh -huh. which is going to be important to other stuff we're talking about later. But there's another guy who, who saw what I was, saw what I've seen. A lot of people talk about this guy named Eric Von Daniken. Wait, and he wrote real this, quick. Yeah. yeah. Ener Energy Matrix says, and if it wasn't in the Bible, you'd think somebody was on shrooms. Facts. Which is so true. Like this Facts. Facts. So because, again, go ahead. Because I think a feature of psychedelics is that it takes you into in into a slight in either a different dimension or a window on it, or just that 
it pulls down the veil, the veil that people talk about in, in, in fairy myth, there was this concept that there was a veil between the human world and the fairy world. And the idea of, of psychedelics is that it takes the veil down so you can see what's there. And what people have described to me about being on psychedelics really does sound like that, that they're in a place that just has more mm-hmm. to it. Um, even if they didn't see entities, everything is just a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's all good. I, it's good stuff. So there's this guy named Eric Von Daniken, and he wrote this book called The Charity of the Gods. And in 1970s, he was invited to, to a secret speech at NASA where he met Jeff uh, Joseph F. Bloomrick. And the two spoke about his ancient astronaut theory from his book, Char- Chariots of the Gods, and notably the idea that Ezekiel's vision was that of a space shuttle rather than a divine chariot. Mm. And it led this guy on a trip, on a mission to try to disprove Danikin's absurd theory. And I've actually got this video of Danikin talking about this that I, I want to show with you. I... I don't, I'm just going to say this up front. I don't agree with Danikin's theory, which is kind of the theory that you always comes out of this, that this proves that the Bible is just speaking about alien beings. So he takes it to that next Anunnaki uh, worship step that I'm, I'm not prepared to. Uh, but here, here's, here's that video. I think it's worth watching. It'll load. God is omnipresent. God is like a spirit. He's always there. Now in the Bible... Prophet Ezekiel describes a strange story. He says, out of a sudden they hear the noise in the sky. All the slaves look up there. Then he sees an object coming down from the sky. Then he realizes that the object makes a tremendous noise. He compares the noise with the thundering of a waterfall. Or he compares it with, with, with fighting wagons. So a terrible noise this object made. All the slaves looking there, the object comes down, sand is blown up. Ezekiel is high priest by profession, so he believes in the beginning it must be God. He fells on his nose to pray to the Lord. And then he realized this is not God. And then he describes exactly what he sees. The wings move. When the wings move, that, that the tremendous noise started to be there again. When the wings stood still, they were hanging down. He describes the leg. He clearly says the leg were out of metal. Then he cries, he cries the wheel. And the wheel shocked him to- totally because the wheel of his times can go forward and backward. But the wheel which he sees here, they go also forward and backward, but at the same time, left and right without making a steering movement. Ezekiel sees a wheel which goes forward, backward, right and left without making a steering movement. This shocks him so he cannot understand it. He describes it four times. Some uh, 30 years ago, I had a secret speech at the headquarter at NASA in Huntsville in the United States. On this speak, I also talk about five minutes about Ezekiel. And after the speech, we had a dinner together and there was a the, the, the chief of the Department of Construction, an ex-German, his name was Joseph Brumrich, who came to me and said, that was very interesting, but Mr. von Däniken, in the Bible, you will never... I didn't even notice him say ex-German before. <laughs> Sorry. Project Paperclip. Anyway. Found technology. Yep. <laughs> the Bible, this is imagination. 
These are dreamings, visions, but, but not, not technology. He started to read Ezekiel, and finally he realized that whatever Ezekiel described is real, and he started to reconstruct Ezekiel's description. The outcome was a book with the English title, The Spaceship of Ezekiel. And in the foreword of it, Mr. Joe Blumerich, the ex-chief of the construction department at NASA said, I absolutely started this work to disprove Eric von Däniken's story of Ezekiel. But it was absolutely sensational what comes out. Ezekiel did saw an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Now, Ezekiel's spaceship is not a mother spaceship with which you can move from star to star. Ezekiel's spaceship is only a, a, an object which today we would call space shuttle. You have to have a mother spaceship And from the mother spaceship, a smaller vehicle comes down to the Earth. So that's what it was. So this spaceship, this book, The Spaceships of Ezekiel, this NASA scientist used Ezekiel to actually construct a landing device for NASA directly from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel's description of the wheeled chariot landing sounds much like that of a landing of a spacecraft, the windstorm flash of lightning, the bright lights. This is coming from, uh, what, what site is this? From Gaia. Same site that did that article, that video. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, let me see. Landing, kicking up dirt. Uh, where's the part? I'm sorry, I lost the part where it says that he actually built this thing from, yeah, built a landing shuttle for NASA based on, based on the, the description of Ezekiel. So, I just, I find that interesting. I don't know that's, what your thoughts are on it. That's wild. Yeah. That, that he lit, that he literally designed something for NASA based on a description in the Bible of tech. Right. And this is the thing, right? Is that we've seen through Genesis and through Enoch that the, the fallen angels are giving technology and ideas to humans. We've seen this in the, the descriptions of the gods forever. They gave them agriculture. They gave them this, they gave them that. So it's not insane to me to think that there is technology, heavenly technology that can be given to humans. Whether we, I don't think we sh we're supposed to have this technology, right. obviously, but just the idea that there's no, like it's over. My whole point is the Bible talks about them using things and traveling in certain ways and using uh, swords and chariots and, all you know, it describes the the Ark of the Covenant and all of these physical things. I just i I think we've over theorized it, where it's like if it's physical, it couldn't possibly also be spiritual. But there's a line in Ezekiel that really sticks out to me, where he says the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels, and that brings me back to the Greys because the yeah. Greys, one of the big parts of their mythology, I've talked about this before, is that they are not just beings from another planet that the greys themselves are actually organic robots that are being filled with a consciousness from yeah. Zeta Reticuli or wherever they come from. That to me just says, again, goes back to my theory that Enoch describes demons as the departed spirits of the Nephilim, that they cannot inhabit, they cannot go to the afterlife because they were created outside of God's will. They don't have God's breath breathed into their life. And that's why they wander the earth. That's 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 Enoch's idea of of demons. And then they go to try to inhabit things. So if they inhabit things like dolls, if they inhabit things like AI, if they inhabit things that are constantly trying to be human, 
and also inhabit humans as well. The theory there goes that because there's already a soul inside, it has to fight for control. So if it could have something like an organic robot where it doesn't have to fight for control. Again, these are just theories, but I think it's as legitimate of a theory as something traveling from, from outer space and being here. Just, just my thoughts. I don't know. What's, what's your thoughts on it, Abby? That's kind of my working theory, but I'm not like sold on it or like tied to it. That I definitely think that our technology is very brute force. Um, like human tech, we, we seem to have this understanding that there's something wrong with the way that we do technology. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's like crude representations of something that's higher. Is that what you're saying? Right. And it's, and we have this, I mean, this isn't popular in conservative circles, but, but we have a concept that like burning oil, burning, burning a, a resource that will eventually run out for our energy is not like the the greatest way to do things. Right. We we have this just concept that we're like brute forcing something that should be easier and we constantly imagine technology that is better and we, we theorize about stuff like what well what if Tesla hadn't been silenced and what if, you know, th- there's always these conspiracy theories about like zero energy stuff or, or whatever. Right. Of Nuclear like, fission, oh, things like that. Yeah. Of like, oh, these people were killed because they had this technology. And I'm not saying that's not true, but there seems to be a, a clear theme for many, many years of people kind of having this concept of it shouldn't be like this, but whatever our body soul situation is, seems to be, if what you're saying is, is true, it's like if we weren't so bound to our bodies, we could have the technology that they have. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I also I also link this back to the Nephilim for other reasons, the genetic testing being a big one. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it goes right back to the story of the Watchers. It goes back to the stories of the, the Nephilim and, and how for you know thousands, of, even even the what I think is the Sumerian ripoff of it, the Anunnaki is the same idea, right? That there's these alien scientists. And and again, this is like, there's many people who see the same beings and come to the same conclusions that they are alien scientists, that they are trying to genetically change people, that uh, there's always a sexual component. That's what Raelianism is. Um, but we'll get back to that in a minute. I want to talk about the main theories on the existence of greys really quick. And I... I got, I'm getting this one from the Brooklyn Paranormal Society just because they summed up what everybody else was saying pretty mm. well. Um, and there's five main theories, and I just want to get your opinion on them, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But there's the extraterrestrial origin theory, which is the most popular that great alien beings come from another planet or galaxies. And according to this theory, these beings have developed advanced technology that allows them to travel vast distances through space and visit our planet. I think this is the weakest and stupidest of the theories. It's the oldest one. <laughs> But I, I don't know. Like, let me put it this way. When I, when I was looking into the idea of like, could, because this is what always gets me. Where do they come from? Yeah. Like we supposedly can observe with the Hubble telescope and these other things, these galaxies, planets, things like yeah. that, light years and light years and light years away. So when I look into this, I come up with this, this theory that's being pushed right now. This, this total cope called super habitable planets. Have you ever heard of this? I think so. Go, but go ahead. So these are planets that scientists claim are actually better suited for life than Earth. Ah. If only, if only 
we could travel 460 light years and then terraform the planet first. Then it would be better than Earth. But that's uh-huh. what it always comes down to. It's unterraformed planets. It's planets that actually can't sustain life without human intervention. Right. This would cut against Darwin's theory of evolution. It, it, it tries to fly in the face of fine-tuning theory, which I don't care what people say, is the most sound theory on life on Earth that yeah. doesn't just spring up out of nowhere on any random planet. We know this for a fact. Yeah. Um, and they're always trying to find these copes to get around the fact that we are uniquely... A, the Earth is uniquely able to sustain life in a way that no other planet is. I read this book in high school. It was dense, called Rare Earth. And it was from a non-Christian perspective. And it just made this case over and over and over again in so many different areas of science that life on Earth is statistically impossible. Yep. And therefore, there's nothing else out there from an evolutionary standpoint, from a mathematical standpoint. Is Atheism Dead by Eric Metaxas is another one that does a fantastic Mm. job of pointing this out. Um, So I just, I don't buy it. We don't have to spend a lot of time on the extra planetary theory because I don't think that's where everybody's at right now anymore anyway. That's not what I'm noticing. I think that's old hat. So Mm. number two is this genetic engineering theory. And it goes, another theory is that the gray aliens are are a result of advanced genetic engineering by by an extraterrestrial race According to this theory, these beings were created to perform specific tasks to serve as a type of biological robot. Again, this is another kicking the can down the road theory. Where who's the advanced race that created them? Like it doesn't actually solve. It doesn't actually answer anything. So many conspiracy theories are kicking the can. Like so many of the yeah. biggest ones are kicking the can. Um, I mean, flat Earth is kicking the can. Oh, like who, yeah, who's yeah. running the simula- simulation? Tartaria is kicking, is kicking the, can. the can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Every, so much of it Multiverse is. Multiverse is kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. It, it, none of them make any sense. They're, they're copes, I think. And, and part of this, I don't think is untrue about the genetic engineering part. Just the fact that you also have to answer who created them. If you say yep. they're an extraterrestrial, which means not from earth yep. race of beings, you haven't answered the first question of extraterrestrial origins. So anyway, yep. Number three, highly evolved species. Another theory is that the gray aliens are highly evolved species that have developed advanced technology and the ability to travel through space. According to this theory, these beings may have evolved on a planet that is very different from Earth, which would explain their distinctive appearance. It's the same problem. It's like genetic engineering and highly evolved. It's They're both aspects of the first problem, that there aren't other habitable planets out there that we've observed. Mm. And if there are, they're... Well, there aren't. But even if they were, like the closest thing we can get is like thousands or millions of light years away anyway. Uh, this is where I think we get into four, which is where pretty much everybody is at, I think, at this point. not Okay. Okay. And that is <clears throat> interdimensional beings. Yes. Uh, and this goes on to say, another theory is that the gray aliens are not actually extraterrestrial in origin, but are instead interdimensional beings that exist outside <laughs> our normal perception of reality. According to this theory, these beings may be able to move between dimensions and visit our planet at will makes far more sense than extraterrestrial, but I have problems with this as well. And I want to get your thoughts. Okay. So the proponents of interdimensional hypothesis argue that UFOs are just a modern manifestation of a phenomena that's occurred throughout recorded human history. Agreed with that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior ages, they were ascribed to mythological or supernatural creatures. All agreed there. But what doesn't, what I don't get is that I'm still, I, I don't, I still haven't found convincing evidence for a multiverse and people like people like Neil deGrasse Tyson 
will say, yeah, we have proof of the multiverse. It's that we have proof for it. But if you really listen to what he's saying, he never actually says anything. And if you really look into the origins of multiverse, it is, again, it's an argument against fine-tuning. If we had infinite amounts of chances to make it work, it would work. But that's not an answer. Um, so the only other thing about dimensions is, are we talking about in like a spiritual way? Are we talking about in a way that we would like, like that the Nord, the Nordics would talk about it? And I was kind of curious what your thoughts on that. Cause I know you've done more research on like this idea of these other dimensions and stuff like that. Like I, are we talking about like heaven is hell as other dimensions? Are we talking about, you know, God and the heavenly hosts existing in other dimensions? Are we talking about multiverse? Cause if it's multiverse, then I think it's just kind of bunk on its face because I, I think it's a crap theory. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't conflate the two. I don't think multidimensional has to be multiverse. Right, right. Um the idea I think with multidimensional is not that they're invisible, but that you only see a piece of them. Like a smaller dimensional a 2D thing, if a 3D thing crossed its path, it would only see two-dimensional right, right. view of it. And so I think that there are things that we see that we don't understand the significance of because it's a higher dimensional thing crossing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, I think interdimensional is at least much more plausible that I would want to dive more into than the extraterrestrial thing. Mm-hmm. I did I did miss one thing, not that they put forward, but one that I have seen other people put forward, but is this idea, going back to the highly evolved species thing, that, this, that there is a parallel evolution. Mm. So are you familiar with this theory? So basically aliens are actually from Earth. That they've lived here in secret, shown yeah. themselves only to certain people at certain times. And it really goes into this thing that doesn't get talked about enough is uh, USOs or unidentified submersible objects. So yes. basically this idea that they're likely living underwater, which I think you would love because maybe it goes back into why are we so damn afraid of the ocean? Of the ocean, yep. Are we terrified of the ocean because this is where the aliens are? Um, King Stesis is saying, Thoth wrote in his tablets that we ripped holes into other dimensions. There is this concept throughout so much of mythology of portals um, and doorways to places. Right. And, and that, and I believe in that too, but I guess my thought on portals is not multiverse. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I guess other still would be, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not multiverse. It's, it's interdimension. Like the, the I've veil. Just heard, I've heard it. I've heard it as both. And that's the only reason I brought up multiverse. Okay. Some people are like, they're, they're just humans that evolved differently on another planet and they're visiting us. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe in multiverse for tons of reasons. I think we should probably do a whole episode on it. But if you're right. talking about like interdimensionals and like, there's higher realms, spiritual realms, things like that. Yeah, I can believe in that. I mean, we know that people like Aleister Crowley opened up portals and right. great aliens th- came through. So. I think that there are people who conflate multiverse and, and multi-dimensions. Yeah. Um, but they shouldn't be conflated. And the multi-dimension thing existed a long time prior. I if guess I'm- Odyssey is crashing... Oh, boy. Um, sorry, guys. Like we said, we know there's going to be issues when we talk about <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I was, it's it's a better theory than interdimensional or interplanetary. Interplanetary, yeah. I mean, the and maybe it's a bad way of... Okay, so here's here's my... 
I, I think the, Jared said it good here too. He said mm-hmm. dimensionality is one way of describing something we don't really understand the property. Yes. Of. Yes. And this is where I struggle a little bit because interdimensionality is so baked into my worldview that considering that it's not real and that God isn't a higher dimension and is something else, I'm like, can't even get it through my head because I've believed it since I was like nine. Yeah, yeah. And I like heard a talk on physics or something. Yeah, I, I want to make it clear again because King King Steza says certain things is real. I do too. I think I think opening portals to other dimensions is real. I just don't think it's multiverse as no. in like alternate timeline stuff. Right. That's my that's my opinion on it. Yeah. I think that even the people who are being deceived by that are probably opening demonic portals and bringing in demonic beings. Right. Uh, like Aleister Crowley did, but. Yeah, I don't think it's multiverse. That is the only point I want to make. I want to yeah. go back to this idea of USOs, though, because we're going to do an episode at some point, as we talked about with Antarctica, and this idea that, you know, in in that theory, the aliens came from inside of Antarctica or like this hollow earth thing. Yes. But, but besides that, one of the things that's so fascinating about UFOs is we've seen these incredibly fast UFOs crash into the ocean and pop back out. And I couldn't find mm. the one freaking video I was trying to find so I found the blurrier version of it because I think they just <laughs> took down the good version of it, which so often happens. Again, I was having a hard time finding certain things with this episode that I've seen before tons of times. Uh, but we've got this um, this video here, uh, which is one of the Navy's released videos of these super fast craft that is going along at you know thousand miles an hour, just dips in and out of the ocean, like. Gravity defying huh. ways. A lot of a lot of UFO reports, especially from the Navy and sailors and stuff like that, is they start to lose them and they don't go into the sky; they go into the water. Mm. So again, I think it's also more plausible that these things are not interdimensional, but they live somewhere here, and that they are maybe even, like I said, like these held over creations of of the Watchers. Yeah. Um. We have these stories about like Atlantis and and um, Marvel. We've kept an eye on Marvel for the myth that it's delivering. And one of the things that Marvel delivers is that there is a city in the ocean and that there's a city in Africa. These secret mm-hmm. cities with high, high technology that are hidden away from the world. It's it's part of the myth, right? Right. And Plato sure talked about Atlantis like it was real and gave dimensions and vast Plato- descriptions. Plato believed it was real and whoever told Plato about it believed it was real. I mean, the our episode <clears throat> is almost awkward in how long we like spend reading Plato's descriptions, but it really hammers home how intricate the details were of this thing yeah. he described. It, it's one of those like, it's not even the type of detail you make up when you're trying to prove to someone you're not lying. It's mm-hmm. the kind of just boring detail boring detail that you're like yeah this like get to the point (laughs) yeah but like he's just telling you about something that's real that it's important to him to write down and that's that's the only thing that describes it and and you compare that to when plato was talking about something that he knows is false utopia because he also talks about utopia and 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 that's just purely imaginative it's just a thought experiment yeah so the fifth theory is 
obvi- the obvious one, it's a hoax. It's all a hoax. Millions of people across the world for a hundred years have been making this up and going back and fairies were yeah. all made up and everything was made up. <laughs> Credible people for all of time have believed in other beings and spiritual beings and, and angels and demons and things like that. But all of a sudden, everybody at the same time is seeing these things and it's all a hoax. They're all just like conspiring to, to what? Get like excluded from their families and churches and lose their jobs and look like wackos. Okay, the Rumble chat's not loading, but somebody said, did y'all mention Jack Parsons' birth name was Marvel? I don't know if we... I don't remember if we mentioned that. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, his real name is Marvel. Yeah. Okay. And he looks like... (laughs) He he looks like... Howard uh, Stark. Howard Stark. Yeah. Who's modeled after Jack Parsons and Tesla is. and yeah. Nikola Tesla. Yeah, 100% he is. All right. So please carry on. That's just anyway. a reference to our challenger episode. So if yeah, you yeah. need to go back and <laughs> find out what we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, I, the hoax one or yeah. misidentification is the yeah. fifth. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe your belief's different than mine, but I, I just, I don't see this many people and especially ranging the gambit with nothing to gain. Like people maybe now have something to gain from it, but you got to realize a lot of these people, like their lives are destroyed over talking about these experiences. Mm. So I I have a hard time buying into that. It's all a hoax. There's definitely hoaxers. I don't want to say that there isn't and that all of them should be believed, but I don't buy that. The whole thing is a hoax. Yeah. I tend to think that, that, We always take these things, and this is, okay, sorry. So many podcasts will do one story at a time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's easy to make excuses to not believe one story at a time. And that's why I prefer to talk about things on the aggregate. Yeah. Because once you aggregate all the data, then it's like, how how do you ignore so many people saying they saw these things with nothing to gain from it and everything to lose. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no, it's not like coming out as trans. You don't get social capital from it. And a Bud Light sponsorship. Yeah. You don't get money. You don't get attention. Uh, not the right mm-hmm. kind of attention. You, you pay for it if you come out and yet people are still doing it. And why? Right. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's just another reason I don't believe that it's just all hoax. But the other part of that was misidentification. Mm. And I have this theory, this wondering, that what if the misidentification thing is a feature of this? A feature, not a bug. That what we're seeing looks like how we expect it to based on our culture. And that's why other cultures see different things. It's also true of sleep paralysis demons. It's also true of of a lot of things. And it brings me this. It's okay. So stay with me, guys. It brings me to an Eastern concept. But I think that sometimes concepts are true and misattributed to to the reality of their Mm. truth. And that is the idea of tulpas. I'm not an Eastern mystic, new agey type person that would normally talk about tulpas. But I think that's because people are talking about tulpas in the wrong way. Okay. So a tulpa is this concept in theosophy and mysticism and the paranormal of a materialized thought form. Mm -hmm. It's typically in human form, such as an imaginary friend or being that is created through spiritual practice and intense concentration. The idea that Mm. if you believe in something enough, 
it will materialize. Now, what's interesting about this is if you go on to Reddit and read the Tulpa thread, it is all, and I mean 100% stories of demonic possession. Yes. It's my imaginary friend that I imagined and took over my body and sometimes... Uh, they'll go on a date with my significant other and sometimes I will. It's yep. all of this weird, it's all demonic possession. Um, this idea that if you believe in something uh, enough and invite it in, like I, this is like, I, th- I had this theory on imaginary friends where I was like, I thought I was a weirdo for not having an imaginary friend as a kid. Cause it seemed like such a normal thing. Yeah. And I started looking back and I'm like, were we normalizing children inviting demons into their, into their bedrooms, into their play yeah. places? We talked about further with that, Mattel doll that looked real. And then we found out like in the commercial, it made it look like it was really talking to you, but really it was just a pull string doll. Yeah. And my thought was, well, if the parents are seeing this damn commercial and the kids are like, the doll's actually talking to me. The parents are going to go, yeah. well, you saw that in a commercial. And we've yeah. normalized demonic possession. Demonic dolls are a huge thing, by the way. Anyway. Yeah. I, I was the same as you. I thought I was weird for not having one. And so I yeah, tried yeah. to make myself have one. Me too. And I, I did it for like one day and I was like, this is the... This stupidest is the thing I've ever done. Stupidest, in my life. weirdest, yeah. cringiest thing. I feel deeply yep. uncomfortable with it. Never again. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. And and what's interesting? So going back to this idea of tulpas, this is a concept that originated in Buddhism, but it also has a Western understanding that was developed separately mm. by European mystics. And I think that I, I kind of agree with John Keel on this. This idea that we are seeing things the way that we want to see them. And in our modern understanding, and that's why we see the grays almost entirely in the West and in Europe. And Europe has more Nordics. Um, South America's got more weird, demonic-looking things that look like they're demon gods and and wherever else, right? But in, in the West, specifically in America, what do we worship above all else? It's scientism. So yeah. why would why would our demons not show up to us as scientifically rational explanations of the universe yeah. and, and science and space travel and all the things that we idolize. Yeah. And, and maybe, we have a, and a maybe framework is, for it. Yes, we, we do. We have an imaginative framework for it built by sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. And going back, going back to the 1800s, because here's the other thing, and John Keels pointed this out. He talks about like, you see fairies, you would see lights in the sky, you'd think it was a witch with a broomstick. But what's very interesting is in the late 1800s, you saw bird-like creatures. That was the UFO sightings. And there were tons of them. And I mean tons of these metallic, giant Mm. phoenix birds and dragons. Actually, Tombstone, the famous Tombstone from Wyatt Earp, has a dragon sighting that was reported in the Tombstone epitaph. True story. I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I did a TikTok on it for our show. Well, yeah, that that would be where I heard it. (laughs) Right, right. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't think the chat keeps loading in, so I keep changing yeah. around. Uh we'll just go back to this one for a minute. So um I just I think that we're seeing them the way that they want to present themselves to us. And and this goes yes. into your theory of the gods presenting themselves differently to different cultures throughout yes. history. Um give and, them and, what they a combination of what they want, what they expect, what they're willing to believe, what they want to believe. Yes, and I think this was, would also be why it interferes with technology, why we see the blurry photos mm. and why we have the blurry memories because they're projected tulpa images. Yeah, it's a, like, so, I mean, perception filter, however you want to put it, it's something's right. going on between what the reality is we, and what you're seeing. 
think about it this way. If you're looking at a spiritual being and you have no frame of reference, like, yes. like there's, there's, this, there's this concept that it's beyond us. Yes. And our brain has to fill something in. So what, why would it not? Like, it doesn't say they're not real, but is our brain not filling it in with our cultural understanding of the mm-hmm. thing? Um, there's also this idea of the hypnotic stuff that I said I want to get into. So this guy, Thomas E. Bullard, he, uh, he was talking about the effect. He's a UFO researcher talking about the effects of hypnosis mm. on abductee memories. And he says, hypnotically assisted recall is more likely to produce descriptions of the standard gray humanoids while cases where hypnosis was not used include more variety. Which, take of that what you will, find it interesting. And then he goes on to say, however, rather than take a firmly skeptical position based on this observation, Bullard says, whether hypnosis shapes and implants memories or breaks through a surface screen uh, memory to reveal the true appearance of the beings remains a question in need of resolution. You could take it either way. I just think it's a, I think it's a fascinating thing that we are seeing the same things, not because it's being implanted into us, but because we have a cultural understanding and it's weird and it's blurry and it's ununderstandable until we reach our subconscious and fill it in with our, with our culture possibly. I don't know. It's just a thought. I also found, we, we talked about Aleister Crowley last week on unhinged. And uh, Cody brought up this interesting quote, which just fits so perfectly into this this next segment. He says, today they'll call them angels and demons, and tomorrow we will call them something else. This is Aleister Crowley, bef- around, the guy who also, let me see if I can find this, also summoned this being through a portal in Louisiana in 1918. Uh-huh. So he's Yeah, saying, that's a gray. Yeah, that is a gray. That's a gray. Almond-shaped eyes, bulbous head, gray skin, short. Yeah, it's a gray. Um, so I want to talk, I want to go further into this idea of us calling the demons something that they're not with Stephen Greer and this idea of alien summoning. I said we were going to talk about the fifth kind. So let's talk about the fifth kind. So this guy, Stephen Greer, extremely popular UFO researcher right now. He was an emergency doctor by trade leaves that and he founds the CE5 contact. It's a global diplomatic effort to make contact with extraterrestrial civilizations with the framework of peace as opposed to the militarism and what he calls militarism and racism of our government. The government doesn't want us to know about aliens because they want to shoot them and kill them. They don't want to invite them in peacefully, right? And he says that's what's really driving the secrecy of UFOs. Again, this guy's massively popular in UFO circles right now. His goal is to save the world's biosphere with UFO technology and to make peaceful contact with aliens. And his biggest goal is that we become an interplanetary civilization in a state of enlightenment. Where have we heard this before? Um, is it the Anunnaki myth? Well, it's, it's also the Raelians. Well, it's the same picture. It's so- the same picture, right? <laughs> so he, he is a contactee himself. His first sighting was at eight or nine years old when he was growing up in a devout atheist abusive home. Mm. just going to point this out. This is the story of every, not every, but this is a extremely common story in childhood possession cases. Abusive household doesn't have a friend, you know, doesn't believe in God invites entities into their lives. And yeah. it, it continues to go in this direction because his second sighting was during a near death experience at 17. Again, extra interplanetary beings do this. I don't think so. At 18, the aliens taught him CE5, which is Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. He now has an app where you can co- to help you 
contact aliens to help you summon aliens to you. And he says you can achieve this through accessing higher consciousness state. You can tap into the consciousness through remote viewing and astral projection or opening your third eye. This is also insanely common in UFO abductees. This idea, and, and a lot of the UFO abductees will say, I was in my bedroom. I felt like I went away. I, I projected on my body. The aliens showed me stuff. I was back in my body. No time had passed. Astral projection. Leave your body. It's being inhabited by something else or your spirit's being directed by something else. Okay, I'm Again, this is why I have a hard time believing that these are just normal other evolutionary creatures who actually just fly these little spaceships and came yeah. here for, for peace and love. First of all, the idea that they're benevolent is retarded. They abduct people and experiment on them and yeah. ruin their lives. Anyone that thinks these creatures are benevolent, <laughs> hard are retarded. You just and there's, they only have one rule, and it's consent. Thank you. What's Who else only has one rule of consent? Leftists. the, well, the <laughs> AKA demons. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I mean it's same it's the picture. same picture. It's the same picture. It's it's the the woke religion. It's one moral tenant is consent. It's run by demons whose one rule is consent. And aliens, which are demons, have one rule, which is consent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he also says, he also pushes the same line. The ETs are concerned about our nuclear hostility. This is the W56. This is Raelians. This is the Nordic religion around these things that they care about our environment and they're actually, they're, they're good actually, right? Yeah. Uh, he also says their biggest concern is damage to our environment. Again, going back a long ways, what do demonic gods do? They come down and give us technology to help us save our environments and do these mm. wonderful things and plant the crops and they are looked at and worshipped as benevolent. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's, the, here's the interesting kicker to this whole thing. He strongly believes a huge part of this is turning on your epigenetic markers through deep meditation. He wants you to contact the aliens and then switch on your dormant Nephilim DNA. I'm telling you, he wants you to switch on your dormant Nephilim DNA through meditation and alien contact. And in September of 2002, or 2022, so last September, hey, that was the same time we started this podcast. He led a mass meditation and contact event in Scottsdale, Arizona, on Native American land. I I knew that I had there's to have always, it there for you. There's there always is a- always an indigenous people group <laughs> or or a secret society, often both. <laughs> in this case, all of the above. <laughs> so <laughs> somebody asked at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> where's the indigenous people's group? And I was like, oh, ah, it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's coming, coming you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I want, I want to do one more thing before we just move over to some rumble chat and, and just answer you guys questions and stuff like that. Um, he's had a massive influence on people and the people who are influenced by him are describing what could only be described as demonic possession contact. And here is probably the, most famous person to do this, Demi Lovato. Yeah. Um, I had a, a night where I was dreaming, and I say dreaming very loosely because I don't really know what happened, but I all of a sudden was in my room, and and I know I said, I, I, so I, I, I sound, I sound, I 
this is going to sound so out there, but just bear with me. So I woke up in my room and there was like three beings. And then, and they, <laughs> they no. were like, do you want to see your planet? And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so you were like, hell I yeah. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. So, <laughs> so I like whooshed out of my room and was like hovering over the planet. And then all of a sudden they're like, you want to see our planet? And I was like, Hell yeah! Yeah. Then I whooshed to this like pink and purple planet that I've never seen. But and then and so that with the hypnotherapy, I was like trying to figure out what exactly that was. Was it like I don't want to use the word abduction because that implies that it wasn't with consent. I was totally for it. There you go. There it is. There it is. Right. And what is the similarity we see with this and your episode on the psychedelics? You have you want the thing you mm-hmm. claim it as a positive experience and then you become a prof or a pro you proselytize it for the rest yep. of the she has a whole show about this getting people to use Stephen Greer's teachings to summon the aliens to them mm-hmm. sorry you were gonna say something I'm gonna cut you off um oh Demi came out as going back to she her today I saw that it's too <laughs> annoying for to explain they them it's like yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you said the quiet part out loud. Yes. <laughs> uh, very, very funny. Uh, maybe maybe the aliens le- aren't inhabiting her body anymore, so maybe she's not actually a they-them anymore. Yeah. Do you notice how that also coincides? She invites the aliens in. Yeah. The possession, and then she becomes they-them. Also, if you think I'm uh, over-exaggerating that what Demi Lovato is talking about is summoning, uh, here is here's an article. Kesha's new hobby is summoning aliens thanks to Demi Lovato. Kesha and Demi Lovato are the 2021 UFO summoning dream team. The High Road singer told ET on Thursday, January 14th, that her chat with Demi Lovato for her podcast, Kesha and the Creepies, inspired an unusual hobby. I love the conversation we had. There were a couple of books she mentioned and an app. David, or yeah, Stephen Greer's app is what she's talking about. Mm. She mentioned that I immediately download it and all I want for Christmas is to meditate and to try to channel extraterrestrials. And they're like, okay. And I'm like trying to get all my Yikes. friends and family into meditating the aliens to us. It's my new hobby because of Demi Lovato. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole article, but it does go on to actually mention Stephen Greer by name. Because uh, that's what they're doing. They are mm-hmm. they are summoning. And Stephen Greer is going on to Native American land to do summoning rituals. And I'm yep. told that I'm oversimplifying what the grays are by saying that they are demonic. I don't know. You guys yeah. tell me. No, they, they are. They are because why? Okay. First of all, why would aliens be defined by your willingness to participate in their abduction? Right. Why would, uh, yeah, well, King's Jesus. King's Jesus is making great points all night. Um, it's the vampire trope. You have to invite them in. Yeah, the, the it seems like a lot of these beings they rely on your permission. Like there's a certain amount that they can do without your permission, and then they want your permission. Um, at least for you to have a better experience, and that's the case with psychedelics. If you if you take psychedelics and then you don't let go, and then you don't fully <laughs> consent to the experience, you'll have a bad trip, and you have to fully consent to the experience. All right. Well, that's why there's a difference between demonic oppression and demonic possession. Mm. Because there's only so much they can do without being invited in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Oh, 
the possessive plural, the they, them, there's, there's, there's ones, there's one, there's, there's one, they, them in the Bible. His name is Legion. And it's because there's a <laughs> lot of demons in him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Jess says, I wonder if it all goes back to the garden. Eve had a consent to eating the apple. We consent to our own sin. I mean, that's what it is, right? Like you have to consent to it, to these things. I mean, this is, this is also a, uh, the philosophy of the elites with, with the revelation of the method that if you, if they tell you what they're going to do and then you consent to it, that's on you, right? Like they're, they're able to do anything to you as long as they go out there and make a movie or give a speech about how they want to kill you with vaccines or do all these things because they said it and then you just didn't believe them. That's why that's, I think this is why they have the world economic forum every year because then they can say, we said all of the terrible things that we're going to do to you through days and days and days of speeches. And it's your fault that you didn't listen to it and you agreed to do the carbon taxing and you agreed to eat the bugs and you agreed to live in the pod and you agreed to do all these things because we told you that we were going to do it. And you didn't say, you didn't say no, you consented. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I have one final thing I would like to talk about over uh, with the Rumble chat. So if you guys are listening to this and you want to get the full episode with the the Rumble section, you can come over to conspiracypill.locals.com. That's where the full audio podcast will be. And then tomorrow night, uh, we're going to be doing a unhinged stream talking about Britney Spears and clones. And (laughs) (laughs) what a a preview it for us. So people have been asking, it's one of our most requested, possibly the most requested one that we haven't done yet. I don't know. Uh, for us to do the Britney Spears deep fake conspiracy. Like, is Britney Spears even alive? Is she a deep fake? Is she, is she a clone? Is she an AI deep fake? So we'll, we'll do that. We'll talk about Hollywood clones. We'll talk about Kanye a little bit because the same thing's being said about him. Is he, is he a deep fake now? Um, and we'll talk a little bit about just conspiracy news things that have popped up some some um megan what's her face stuff and megan fox and her whole yeah comments yeah yeah megan fox's witch feud with robbie starbuck and the unabomber and mk ultra and stuff so whole lot of stuff stuff so uh if you want to get that you can come over to rockfin.com r-o-k-f-i-n.com slash conspiracy pill where we are able to stream it live. At some point, we'll, we will be able to stream live to uh, locals. I got another email from them this week that they're working on it. Um, and but if not, but since we can't, it will be uploaded there afterwards. That's where you can get our bonus content right now. But we're gonna go over to Rumble and we're just gonna talk about. Well, I guess we're not leaving YouTube tonight. But I'm just saying to the audio listeners, uh, this is where the show will end for you. And we're just gonna talk to the audience about this interview with an alien that said that earth is a prison planet that's 30,000 years old seems like the aliens are pushing a lot of Gnosticism so uh, try to keep your last hinge guys and we will see you next week God bless (laughs) 